Our reading this week is from Daniel chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered in shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servant, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us uh, and, and against our rulers by bringing, us, bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the, the, the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and who made uh, yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors ha have, have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake, Lord. Look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, 
because your city and your people bear your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sins of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in an earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and have nothing. The people of the ruler will who sorry the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Well, Zika, thanks very much uh, for reading. Now, those of you who are younger, if you're going to do activities somewhere else, why not head off and get those started now and have a, have a great time. And hopefully we'll see you at the end when we all come back together for a final hymn. If you are staying and you've got a Bible nearby, please keep it open in uh, Daniel 9 as we look uh, these words together. Now the, the day after son number one was born we were both feeling uh, pretty exhausted and a, and a friend who could see I was looking a bit jaded wanted to encourage me and he, he said David look in terms of tiredness the first six and you know how sometimes you, you finish someone's sentence in your own head before they've actually said it and I honestly thought he was going to say the first six days are the worst and I could feel myself thinking oh my goodness Am I going to feel like this till Friday? And then I realised what he actually said was, the first six months are the worst. And I realised that that short first hard day was going to be followed by a much longer period of hard work for us both. But glorious hard work. I mean, when, when things are going to be tough, you, you've got to keep your eyes on the prize, haven't you? And, and Daniel 9 that we're looking at this morning is going to say something similar to us if we're Christians. It's saying, look, you need to know the Christian life will be long, hard work, yet glorious. So keep your eyes on the prize. If you've been with us on Sundays as we've been going through Daniel, you'll have seen God's been showing how history will unfold. We've seen that it, it often appears frightening. Yet God says he's in control. 
and he has a plan. And these messages come to Daniel while he and his people are in exile. They'd sinned against God repeatedly, turned away from him, and eventually God had given them over to their enemies. And that's where they'd been for the past 60 plus years. Daniel is an old man by now. And at the beginning of chapter 9, he is reading his Bible. You see that verse 2? I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Now you can read that for yourself. You can go back and look at Jeremiah chapter 25 and chapter 29. And Daniel reads this and realizes, gosh, it could be now. God could restore us now. And he he gives an example of what Christians who are growing well do whenever they understand something from God's word. He speaks to God about it. Verses, verses 4 to 19 are one long prayer, and it's all about the reasons God's people got into the mess they're in. And Daniel asked God to keep his saving promise. It, it doesn't end there because we're told that while Daniel was, was confessing his sin, God sends an angel, Gabriel, verse 21, with a message about how he's going to keep his saving promise. And he says, in effect, the Christian life will be, will be long, hard work, yet glorious. So keep your eyes on the prize. Just as an aside, Daniel, verse 20, says he was, he was confessing his sin and the sin of his people. Gabriel says, verse 23, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. That phrase there at the end, it, it can kind of mean precious or deeply loved. And it feels counterintuitive. You'd think, you'd think admitting guilt would lead to a different response. But, but I think if, if you know even, even remotely competent parents, you'll get this. Because you know the way it is with young children. The skill in parenting is not finding out when they've done something wrong. That's usually really obvious, isn't it? Now, the skill in parenting is getting them to admit it, to to own it, because you know when they're honest, then you can genuinely forgive and then reassure them of your love beyond the thing they've done wrong. And parents, you remembering that? When when your children do things wrong, the, the end goal is not for them to feel your displeasure. Is for them to experience and know forgiveness at your hand. Are you remembering that during all the frustrations of lockdown? And it seems the same for God. When his people are honest about sin, he sends a word that reassures you you're deeply loved. Now, Gabriel's message, it's a strange one, isn't it? Uh, it's a strange one, like a lot of Daniel, but this time It's not weird animals like we saw last week. No, this time it's strange numbers. Verse 24, 77s are decreed. Now Daniel's been 70 years in captivity, so you suspect it might be a period of time. And you can see what it's for, verse 24. Here's how it goes. To, To put an end to sin. To atone for wickedness. And then there's to, to bring in everlasting righteousness. And, and when you hear that, you get the idea, this is sorting things out once and for all, everlasting righteousness. This is real forgiveness. 
lasting change. It's not fixing things up till the next time they break. No, this is about the end. God's glorious plan to, to make everything right. No more pandemics. No more racial prejudice. No more abuse of those who are the weakest in society. And Gabriel says God wants you to know that he's, he's given himself a deadline. 77s. And the clock is ticking. And then in verses 25 to 27, if you look at those, Gabriel breaks it down into chunks. There will be seven sevens, then 62 sevens, then I think a gap, and then one more seven. What's that all about? What is it? 70 weeks. Some think it's 70 sets of seven years, 490 years. Look, pay your money, make your choice. For, for me, I think this is still the picture language that we, we've seen in Daniel. So we're not meant to think so much exact chronology. Do you remember what Steve said the other week? Often in, in these visions and this, this picture language, what it's trying to do is help us get a sense of what it will feel like. The tiredness of, the tiredness of new parents. It's not six days, it's six months of days. The frustration of lockdown, it's not just these 12 weeks, it will feel like 12 months of weeks. And Daniel, the, the difficulty that you're hoping is going to come to an end once and for all. It, it will, but I, I'm sorry, it's not just 70 years, it will be 77s. The Christian life will be long, hard work, yet glorious. So keep your eyes on the prize. Gabriel does give us some details though. Do you spot that from verse 25 onwards? Just look at it. First of all, there's these seven sevens, which I take to be a, a limited period of time, a, a limited time from God's word going out till the people are back in Jerusalem and beginning to rebuild. 62 sevens, that feels like an extended period of time of rebuilding back home in the land, but, but also with trouble. At the end of these 62 sevens, verse 26, we're told the anointed one will be put to death. What's that about? And then the city of Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed again. After that, there's a period of time where there seems to just be a cycle of wars and trouble that are going to keep happening. And then one more seven. Verse 27. Someone will come in really oppose God, a final intense time of crisis for God's people, and then the end will come. That's the vision. What about the history? Well, it's interesting because in a relatively short time, the people did return to Jerusalem, and over the next few centuries, they did rebuild, but with trouble along the way. And then in AD 30, someone did arrive on the scene and he claimed he was the anointed one. In Hebrew, that's Messiah. In Greek, it's, it's the Christ. And this Jesus was put to death on a Roman cross. And then in AD 70, the Romans did destroy Jerusalem and the temple again. And since then, well, we all know how history's worked out. It is an endless cycle, it feels, at times of wars and trouble all over the world. And so the only thing still to happen according to this vision would be a final time of crisis. Someone really opposed to God and his people. 
then God's promised he's going to fix up everything forever. Now, it's hard to hear that vision, I think, and and not recognise New Testament history. You might think, well, well, if that's what it's talking about, then why why so little detail about Jesus' death and resurrection? But but understand, this is giving the broad brushstroke to make a specific point. Here's the history you're in. Daniel was at this point. We're somewhere over here. Uh, we don't know how much longer it'll last, but chances are, if you're a Christian, you'll, you'll face some tough times. But, but God has the end in sight, and so we know the Christian life, if you're a Christian, this is what he's saying, that the Christian life will be long, hard work, yet glorious. So keep your eyes on the prize. Why not mull that idea over? for a moment. We're going to sing again. Mull that over while we're singing. And then when we come back, let's think about how we keep our eyes on the prize. Let's stand as the music begins. Oh, do sit down again. We've been saying, haven't we, Daniel 9, one of the things it seems to say to us is that the Christian life will be long, hard work, yet glorious. So keep your eyes on the prize. How do we do that? Well, two brief things. Here's, here's the first one. Look, be honest about sin and turning to God. Uh, did you notice Daniel's prayer, verses 4 to 14, is mainly confession. If you've been with us over these past few weeks, you'll have got to know Daniel. You know what he's like. He, has, he is someone who has been, he's been faithful in difficult times. And yet, along with his people, he confesses his sin, and I take that to mean confession of sin. It is not the occupation of the, of the young Christian or the new Christian. No, it's the mark of the true Christian. The great reformer Martin Luther said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. A Christian, are, are you confessing your sin? In our small groups, as we meet up as a church family uh, during the week, each week, are, are we encouraging honest confession? Where we say, this is what I've been doing wrong and, and asking God to, to help us grow and change and for his forgiveness. Uh, notice, notice how Daniel describes his sin. You see the way he says it, verse 5, we have been wicked. Verse 7, we, we are covered in shame. Verse 11, we have turned away. C.S. Lewis once noted when when talking to people about God, he he said this, the the barrier I have met is the almost total absence from the minds of my audience of any sense of sin. Look, if you're not Christian, you you might say, look, I'm not sure about this whole Christian idea of sin. I want to say, look, it's fair enough, but it'd be, be a good thing to think about. And what's more troubling is for Christians like me and others, when it's true about us as well. So I say things like, oh, I struggle with my temper. Or when my sharp tongue causes friction again, I say, well, it's just the way I am, I'm straight talking. Or when I make no effort to read the Bible, and I say, well, I'm just not a bookie person. Or teenagers, when you willfully ignore your parents. Or when I think little of using bad language, and I say, well, I'm just being down to earth. But I never think of saying, Lord, I have a rebellious heart, and I'm a persistent sinner. And all too often, I don't feel 
even ashamed about it. I'm deserving of and in fear of your judgment. Lord, have mercy on me and save me. And you think, well, well, David, look, if, we, if we talked like that, what would it do to our self-esteem? I heard an interview with the actress Helena Bonham Carter the other week, and I, she's not a Christian as far as I know, but she said that I think one of the reasons that we really hate criticism is because we suspect deep down it's often true. How do you handle? How do you handle the things about yourself that are just rubbish? Just trying to build up self-esteem won't do it. No, you, you need honesty with this God who can deliver his wise and rescuing love and forgiveness and speak a word of assurance to you beyond the things you've done wrong that says you're loved and accepted. Don't build your sense of self on the basis of denying sin. And remember what confession did for Daniel. Do you remember this? As soon as he prayed, a word came saying you're, you're highly esteemed, you're, you're deeply loved, and I'd trade God's esteem for my own self-esteem any day of the week. Have you noticed that in our, in our services? We, we'll do it soon, actually. As After we confess our sin as a church family, we hear a word of assurance from God. And the reason we do that is because that's what the gospel is like, because that's what God is like. His end goal, his end goal is not for you to feel his displeasure, but for you to know and experience his forgiveness and assuring love. Would you notice how Daniel says he and the people had drifted? Verse 5, he says, we've sinned. Verse 6, we've not listened to your words. Verse 11, we didn't heed the warnings. And then eventually, verse 12, disciplining disaster came. I wonder, has that been a pattern for you? Doing something wrong, refusing to listen, ignoring the warnings. God's been speaking to you. Don't ignore him. And understand, this is not what what so-called bad people have got to do. No, this is how the, the Christian life is to be lived. The Christian life will be The Christian life will be long, hard work, yet glorious. So keep your eyes on the prize by being honest with God about sin. And here's the second thing. Look, we link our hopes with God's plans. What's the basis of of Daniel's request? Did, Did you notice verse 15? Lord our God, who brought your people out and who made for yourself a name. Verse 17, for your sake, Lord, look with favour. Verse 19, for your sake, my God, do not delay. The Christian life is not one where we're we're somehow trying to persuade God to, to bless our plans in our life. No, it's one where we're blessed by having our lives taken up into his plans. Do you remember way back? At the beginning of the book, chapter 1, verse 8, we read this. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And we said, didn't we, Daniel decided whatever else happened, success or failure, life or death, he would trust God first. Nobody would have seen it happening when he, when he prayed something like that. It would have happened just on the inside initially, I'm sure. Uh, and look where it's brought him. Confident in God, 
started way back as a young man. Just a little thing like that saying, God, I want to live for you above everything else. Those of you who are younger, uh, those of you in Grafted, Tuesday Central, young men and women, are brilliant to see you at Prayer 150 the other week. Are you daring to pray like that? Are you daring to pray something like that, saying, God, as I, as I start my life, whatever else happens, success or failure, life or death, I want to live trusting you. Are you daring to pray something like that? As you, as you head into the world with study, with work, with relationships, keep your eyes on the prize. Or those of you well into work, maybe you're successful in career, respected by colleagues, and that is a brilliant thing. But remember, even with that, being a Christian will be difficult at times and career success is not your end goal. Keep your eyes on the prize. Or those of you in marriages, where you're beginning to feel like it's just too much effort, remember who you're living for and why you need to cherish your marriage. The Christian life will be long, hard work, yet glorious. So keep your eyes on the prize. Daniel's told when he confessed his sin that a word went out to reassure him. And look, if you're a Christian, God has spoken a better word to you. And it's through this anointed one who was put to death on that Roman cross because as soon as we confess our sin, God points you to the Lord Jesus, the one who died and rose for you to guarantee your future with him. The Christian life will be long, hard work, yet it's glorious. So keep your eyes on Jesus. It's almost time for us to sing our final hymn together, but we, we thought today, before we do that, at this point in the service, we'd have that time when, as a church family, we're going to confess our sin together and ask for God's forgiveness and help. And the words of a prayer are going to appear on the screen, and in a moment, we'll pray these words together. We pray together. Most merciful Father, our Creator and Judge, we acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with all our heart, and we have not loved our neighbour as ourselves. We earnestly repent and are truly sorry for all our sins. For your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us and strengthen us to serve and obey you in lives wholly renewed by your Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now hear these words of assurance that God speaks through the Apostle John. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your saving work through the Lord Jesus on our behalf. And thank you for the assuring word that you speak in him, that if we're trusting him, our sins are forgiven and we are adopted into your family. Amen. And we're going to sing our final hymn together. If you've got young ones off somewhere else, why not, why not go and grab hold of them and bring them back in so we can all be together uh, as we sing this final hymn that speaks about the confidence we can have trusting Jesus even when life is difficult. As the music begins, let's stand and sing together.